It's the JT The Brick Show. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. It's Stafford. Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. It's scores. Oh, my goodness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Now he leans towards the line, gets the snap. Raiders bring a blitz. He takes up off the middle, and he's wrapped up from behind. Guess who? Max Crosby with the sack as he races over to the far sideline. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Open Adams at the 35, racing to the 20, 10, touchdown Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we begin another day on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Summer radio is coming to the end, everybody, and I thank you very much for helping me get through the summer. Uh, Living in Vegas, really, summer never ends. We have amazing weather. We have ideal weather other than about six weeks in July and August where we bake like potatoes. Now it's pretty much nice here on out, but we're wrapping up summertime radio where there's not much going on other than OTAs, training camp, but now it gets good as the Raiders are about to pare the roster down from 90 to 53. Dave Ziegler will be speaking at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center at 1.30. We will take that live. If Dave is on time, which he normally is, we'll take that live at 1.30 and we'll get a chance to hear what he thinks uh, heading into the Dallas game, which I'll be on the team plane tomorrow. Love flying on the team plane, the food, the movies, the access. What a what a great opportunity. I never take it for granted. So tomorrow we fly to Dallas in and out get there about 10 o'clock at night get on the plane after the game and come right back to vegas and then it's countdown to the denver broncos and the denver broncos have breaking news today jerry judy their number one receiver was carted off the field on the cart with a hamstring injury so broncos top receiver this is according to adam schefter jerry judy was carted off the field with a right hamstring injury after pulling up during 11-on-11 play against the Rams in the joint practice earlier today. Sean Payton said after practice, Judy will undergo an MRI. We don't want anybody hurt. Uh, That's a fact on this show. We don't want any opponent injured. We don't want any quarterback out. We want to play everybody at full strength. That's competition at the highest level. Raider fans don't root for the opposition to get injured. We just don't do it. We We don't do it on this show. I can promise you that. But that's a big deal because Judy had been hoping to shake off a poor performance where he had a couple of drops the day before ahead of the joint practice, and now this happens. This was interesting at ESPN.com. Listen to this. Judy's injury continues a run of bad luck for Bronco receivers. Tim Patrick tore his left Achilles tendon early in camp. He'll miss his second straight season. K.J. Hamler was released after being diagnosed with a heart condition although the team plans to bring him back once he recovers. And Janelle Virgil sustained a season-ending knee surgery at the end of a 50-yard catch in the Broncos' preseason game at San Francisco last week. Jerry Judy missed two games last season while dealing with a rib and a left ankle injury and a right ankle sprain. So the guy's been hurt a lot. So as we know, as I hit the air today, the Denver Broncos, the Raiders' first opponent, they are decimated at wide receiver decimated a wide receiver and as I said yesterday on the on the broadcast the Raiders already have better wide receivers than Denver it's not even close it's not even close and if, if even if Jerry Judy's a completely healthy 
the Raiders have better wide receivers with Devontae, Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers. Just those three-headed monsters. I didn't get to Trey Tucker yet, Philip Dorsett, who's ever going to be the sixth receiver. Michael Mayer could turn out to be kind of a receiver at tight end who they line up wide. I don't know what they're going to do with him, but I can't wait to see him play. So the Raiders have an advantage. Their offense is better than Denver's offense. The difference with the Broncos, as we'll have a week to get into it, is Denver has a better secondary. They have one of the best secondaries in all of football. They don't have a great defensive line. They don't have elite superstar linebackers like the 49ers. But this is big news. This is the number one trending sports story, the Denver Broncos. Sean Payton took over, and it hasn't been a good camp. We had on Brandon Cristal the other day from KOA in Denver. It has not been a great camp for the Denver Broncos. So the more we look at this, I know what you're thinking, Raider Nation. I can think for you. I know what you're thinking, that there's an opportunity here now for the Raiders to have a little bit of an advantage with personnel because of the injury to Judy to go into Denver and win that game, which I think we all understand the Raiders need to win that game. Week one is never a must win. All right, week two isn't a must win, but week one is really important because Buffalo is week two, and it's the Bills' home opener. And the Bills, I picked them to win the Super Bowl the last two years in a row, and I can pick them to win the Super Bowl again this year. I think Buffalo has got the best roster in the AFC. Because even better than Kansas City. Kansas City just happens to play Buffalo well. they got a very good roster, but Kansas City loses players every year to free agency. Buffalo's been able to keep that team together as their Super Bowl window is still open. So that's going to be a tough task. If, if people ask me, what's the hardest game of the year for the Raiders? The most difficult game of the year for the Raiders is at Kansas City. But the Raiders usually play that game well. You know, the Raiders last year had them beat. They were blowing them out in Kansas City. Up 17 nothing. things were looking pretty good, and they lost by one point, if you recall that game. That was a heartbreaking loss. You know, we think of all these other Raider losses, the five double-digit leads. Let's not forget Kansas City last year, where the Raiders should have been able to win that game. And I think the, mo- the second most difficult game on the Raiders' schedule is Week 2 in Buffalo. Now, Miami could be really tough. Green Bay in Vegas could be tough. I don't know. The Jets with Aaron Rodgers, depending on what happens there. But if you look at the Raiders' schedule... They're playing two of the best teams in all of football, the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs twice. Those are three games out of 17 that are as tough as you can get. And people wonder why Vegas picked the Raiders to only win six and a half games, which I would be cashing that ticket right now. I'd be buying that ticket if I were you. I would go down to your favorite casino, tell them JT the Brick sent you, go up to Jay Cornergay at the Westgate, go up to Derek Stevens at Circa, go anywhere you want on the strip and say, JT the Brick sent me to the window. He told me to put $100 on the Raiders winning more than six and a half games, which would be seven. Put a $100 bill down on the Raiders, take the ticket, put it in your bedroom draw, draw, just hide it there, put it away, and then at the end of the year, you can call me and thank me and take me out for a bucket of Modelo's. Okay, And if the Raiders don't win uh, six games this year, I'm going to be bleeping miserable on the radio every day. You're going to be miserable on the radio every day, and we don't want that. We want, we want the Raiders to exceed expectations. And now I think a couple of the national media outlets, a couple of radio hosts are starting to come around with the Raiders saying, you know, Raiders don't look bad. Raiders got a pretty good offense. Raiders look like if they can improve on defense, they're going to be in more games this year. And I tend to agree with that. The only thing hurting the Raiders this year is one thing, one thing only, the schedule. For whatever reason, here we go again. The Raiders have a difficult schedule. 
They open up with three out of four on the road. And that's going to be hard. Tough sledding. Three out of four on the road. Two and two. I'd love to be two and two after four games. We being season ticket holders, uh, would we love to be three and one? Yeah, I'd love to be three and one. I'd love to be four and oh. That's not going to happen. But can the Raiders come out of the gate and split a couple of these games and then get into that meat of the schedule where I think they can really stockpile some wins? But Denver is right in front of us and Jerry Judy. If it was a serious hamstring injury, because I'm on a text message thread with a couple of guys in Denver now that haven't got back to me yet. If it's a serious hamstring injury, serious, I hope it's not. But if he popped it or teared it or something happened, he won't play in the Raider game. And that'll be one less thing to worry about. But I don't root for injuries, but it's my job to tell you when people get hurt. I was at the Raider facility this morning, and I'll get into that a little bit later on. I picked up the board that I'm looking at to call the game play-by-play. Jason Horowitz, our play-by-play voice, will be on TV with Matt Millen and Rich Gannon. I'll anchor the radio broadcast. Q will do the pre and post. He's been doing a great job. And this will be my last game of preseason play-by-play, which I really enjoyed and I, I'm just thrilled at the opportunity to have that. And to call a game in Dallas is a bucket list for me with Lincoln Kennedy and Eric Allen. Man, how good are they? To have Eric Allen to talk about the secondary and Lincoln Kennedy to talk about the offensive line, that's fantastic. A big trade today in the NFL for a player that I like a lot. Isaiah Simmons leaves the Arizona Cardinals to go to the big blue wrecking crew, the New York Giants. And the Giants are going to be playing here. Now, you might remember... Isaiah Simmons. He played at Clemson. He is an unbelievable tall linebacker. He is the gentleman who concussed Hunter Renfro. You remember that game? Remember what was one of the most devastating losses? Hunter Renfro caught a ball in field goal range already for the Raiders to possibly win the game. Hunter caught the ball, made a move, got blown up, concussed by Isaiah Simmons. Ball came out. Arizona touchdown. Raiders lose their home opener. God, last year was rough. I mean, the way the Raiders lost games last year was brutal. And that Arizona game, I remember sitting with Eric Allen before the postgame show going, hey, the Raiders are going to win this game. They didn't play well, but they got the ball at midfield. They get the ball to Hunter Renfro, which is pretty much a lock and a guarantee. And then the play blew up. Isaiah Simmons blew it up. And that's the player that got traded today. Now, this was a cap move by the Arizona Cardinals. And all they they only got a seventh-round pick. So a seventh-round pick to him. you got to pick up his contract here. But, man, this is a guy I would have loved on the Raiders when they drafted him. I loved him to be a first-round pick for the Raiders. I just loved Isaiah Simmons when he came out. And they made a move. The Giants, who got Darren Waller, just got Isaiah Simmons. And I think this is a very good player here. Arizona, under their new general manager, Monty Ostenfort declined to pick up Simmons' fifth-year option earlier in the year. Same thing here with Josh Jacobs, who I'll get to in a second. Simmons was the eighth overall pick only in 2020 out of Clemson. And the Giants get a former eighth pick overall to go with Kayvon Thibodeau. Remember him? Out of Oregon? He's a hell of a player, and they got him. So the Giants just added a really good player there. Uh, The Giants play in Arizona week two. So this is one of the deals that are happening. All right, let's get to Josh Jacobs. I was texting a lot of people today, uh, one of them including Stephen A. Smith. All right, one of the biggest names, maybe the biggest name in all of sports is Stephen A. Smith. And everybody's texting me back asking me what's going on with Josh Jacobs. Same thing on every text. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. He has the ability to report now. 
Uh, as I was in the building today, he did not report. If that changes at any point during the show and I hear about it, I'm sure Vinny will break it or someone else will talk about it. He doesn't need to be there now. It would be nice if he did show up so he could go to Dallas with his teammates, but there's no need for him to do that. So as I hit the air, and I'm going to spend more time on Josh in hour number two, the Raiders are missing the leading rusher in the NFL going into week one around the corner in this league where they're going to need him. And Jonathan Taylor is on the trade block in Indianapolis, supposedly a couple of teams, including Miami. Miami wants to make a move for Jonathan Taylor, but it's a little bit too rich. Jim Irsay wants a first-round pick, and the Dolphins don't want to give up a first-round pick. So this is important. You can just talk about what's happening around the league with running backs. We know the market. The market now is not conducive for running backs to make a lot of money. But we know what Josh Jacobs is going to make. He's going to make a little over $10 million on the franchise tag. Franchise tag is there. The pen is ready in the Raiders' third floor conference room. The pen is ready for him to sign that contract, which will guarantee him over $10 million to play. Problem is he wanted more job security, wanted to play and have a long-term deal. I think he deserves a long-term deal. So do you. Everybody does, but the Raiders did not come to terms with him on the right price. So Tom Pelissero yesterday said while the Colts let Jonathan Taylor seek a trade, league sources say the Raiders have shown no interest in trading their star Josh Jacobs. Jacobs hasn't signed his tender, and no deal is imminent to get him into camp. The NFL rushing champ status for week one remains to be determined. So basically, I just read a tweet, which didn't tell you anything. The tweet, which I read to you, basically said, there's nothing new to tell you on Josh Jacobs. No news usually is good news in sports. You know, you don't hear someone's complaining, someone's blanking and moaning about something. No news is typically good news, but not when it comes to Josh Jacobs. Uh, Josh Jacobs has got to be football ready to play football in Denver in the mile high which is the toughest altitude and the toughest venue to play in in the NFL. You can be in football shape, and then you can go up to mile high, and at the end of the first quarter, you need oxygen. Literally, you have oxygen mask over your mouth because you can't breathe because you're playing up there. And we got to expect Josh Jacobs to do what? 20 carries, 22 carries, 25? I don't know. If he's not ready to play, he'll get none. So we, we need to see him in here. There is no concern from Dave Ziegler. I'm sure Dave's going to be asked at it today, about 1.30 when he has the press conference. I'm sure Vinny or someone up front, Vic Tafer or Q Myers, are going to say, what's the status with Josh Jacobs? And we'll wait for Dave Ziegler to address that around 1.30 this afternoon. We'll also talk to Eddie Pascal. He's inside his lab. He does a lot of podcast work. We haven't talked to Eddie in a while, so he's going to join us. And if you want to get through, 702-365-9200. Typically on an NFL flagship radio station, which we're very lucky to be a part of, a flagship radio station, I'd have nine lines full on Josh Jacobs today. But I'm different. I'm not stirring the pot. I'm not stirring the pot. I could have just spent the last 16 minutes stirring the pot. Saying, oh my God, sky's falling. Holy crap, what happens if he doesn't play? He's, I'm hearing he's pissed off. No, there's nothing to say. So I think the Raider Nation and the great fans of the Raiders aren't too concerned here. But when do you get concerned? Tuesday is the day to get really concerned next week. The roster cuts from 90 to 53. I would assume that Josh Jacobs will be in the building on Tuesday. If he's not in the building on Monday. I hope he is. 
because the Raiders really need him, and they need him in a big way. He led the league in rushing. It opens up everything early in the career of Jimmy Garoppolo. For Jimmy Garoppolo to play his first ever game with the silver and black and to have Josh Jacobs behind him in case things get really dicey with the weather in Denver, the wind's blowing, whatever's happening, and to feed Josh Jacobs, it's going to be a big part of that game, everybody, because Denver, Denver's decimated. And as much as everybody says Russell Wilson doesn't look good, he lost some weight. He's going to run. And I'm sure I'm going to spend some time next week and the week after that talking about how the Raiders are going to be run discipline against Russell Wilson. That would be Robert Spillane, who I think is pretty good in the running game, better than the passing game. And I think Divine Diablo, who put on all that muscle, he, he had a press conference the other day. If you didn't see it, go to Raiders.com. He had a cutoff shirt on. Oh, my God. The guy looks like he's Mr. Universe or something. I'd love to know what Divine Diablo did in the offseason, everybody. He did more than curls. I think he put on someone told me 15 pounds of muscle. Not 15 pounds, 15 pounds of muscle. Well, that guy's going to have to chase down Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson's going to run the ball. On third and seven, he hasn't been playing quarterback well throwing downfield. Jerry Judy has a hamstring injury now. Russell Wilson is going to run. I would bet that Russell Wilson in the game against the Raiders has 10 rushing attempts. Remember I said that, 10. I think three of them are going to be forced. They're just going to be chaos, chaos, chaos. He's going to run. Max is chasing him down. That'll be three out of the 10. And then I think he's just going to quarterback sneak maybe one or twice. That'll get us to five. And then there could be some design runs for him because he's really good. He's excellent at running the football. At a level of Cam Newton and Michael Vick, historically, just look at the odds. Raiders are going to have to be very disciplined in covering him. All right, let's open up the show. We'll go out to Chris in West Oakland. He's always a great leadoff hitter. Chris, what's happening, man, in the Bay today? Go ahead. Hey, JT, how you doing? Ah, the Bay's perfect today, JT. 83 degrees, no humidity. I'll I'll take this any day over that 110 you've got to deal with, even if it's only for a couple months out of the year. Uh, First off, let me hit what you said about Jerry Judy. Number one, I'm like you. I don't root for injury for anybody. I just think that's low class and bad karma. You, it, you want to win at the highest level, and you want to beat teams at their best. That being said, I think it shows the importance. I know it was only practice, but it shows the importance of, of health and, and preseason. Look, Raiders have done well in preseason. I don't care if they've won or lost. They've come out of it healthy right now. This game in Dallas means absolutely nothing. You want to play the starters for a series or two, shake a little rust off, I'm okay with that. Then get them off the field, and the number one objective in the preseason is, is, now, is now achieved. You go into week one at Denver fully, fully loaded, ready to go. I just, the risk just isn't worth the reward. Again, you want to play the guys a, minute, a, a series or two, I get it. I don't want to see any regulars play on Saturday. I want, I want this roster ready to go week one in, in Denver. Um, let me talk. I only got a couple of minutes. Josh Jacobs. Look, JT, our, our, we, we're on completely polar opposite ends of the Josh Jacobs thing. Number one, if he doesn't show up, which by all indications he will, I hope the kid looks at, at Le'Veon Bell and what happened to him and his holdout. But the importance of Josh Jacobs, JT, I don't think he's near as important as you think he is. Running backs don't carry the weight and equal wins. The one year he led the league in rushing, they won six games. The highest win total, a rushing total of his career, his team won the fewest games. The only year they made the playoffs and won 10 games, he rushed for under 900 yards because he was hurt a lot of that year. I'm not saying he's, that, he's not important. But without Josh Jacobs there, then maybe just maybe McDaniels will open up the offense a little bit more, maybe put a little more on Jimmy G's plate. Because I don't want to hear about, oh, 
we got to establish the run. We've been down that road. We've done that. You don't win in the NFL anymore by centering your game plan around a running back. Now, is he important? Yes. Does he deserve a long-term contract? Not at the kind of money he wants. And if he doesn't want to play and he doesn't want to turn long-term, then let's turn around and trade him for a stud linebacker or somebody we can get now rather than let this problem run throughout the season. But Chris, one, one second. I want you to continue the call. Have you lost your bleeping mind? This guy put up Marcus Allen-type numbers. Marcus Allen's on the sideline with him, and you're acting like McDaniels needs a piece like this if he's going to open up the offense because you're going to have to have the guys in the box to stop Jacobs. I can't believe you're saying this as a Raider fan with Mark Van Egan, with Bo Jackson, with Mar- Marcus Allen and the great running backs in the history of this franchise. JT. 1,500 yards equaled six wins last year, and their defense might be improved. I don't know that it's going to be improved to the point where you can win with the running game and the defense. Again, this is an opinion. This is evidence. The only year he rushed for under 1,000 yards is the year the Raiders won 10 games and made the playoffs. Running back, there's a reason running backs, the, the market is down for them. Look at Patrick Mahomes, who granted, I'm not comparing anybody to Mahomes. He's made the Super Bowl with three different running backs, and, you, and, and the average fan can't name any one of them. Running backs are not that important. There's a lot more important, believe me, I'd rather have a stud linebacker right now if Jacobs doesn't want to play. We're not, and if we go into, if Josh Jacobs rushes for 1,500 yards or more, and Jimmy G throws for less than 4,000 yards, then the Raiders are going to be lucky to win seven games. You, I'm not saying he sucks, okay. but for the money he wants, the long-term contract he wants, I'd rather trade him out of here for a linebacker that wow. we've needed for years because you don't win games. How many playoff games has Derrick Henry won? How many playoff games? Jonathan uh, Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor. Running backs don't win playoff games, and they don't carry teams anymore. This isn't 1975 with Franco Harris, Rocky Blyer, and a great defense. I don't want the league's leading rusher next year. I want Jimmy G to throw for 4,500 yards and Josh Jacobs to run for 800 yards. That'll give the Raiders a fighting chance to be explosive enough to win games in this division. Anyway, man, I still hope he comes. I want to see him play, but only at the right price. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you later. I almost fell out of my chair in my home studio today. I almost dove through the window with that nonsense. I don't agree. Chris is one of the great Raider fans of all time, one of the legendary grill masters, one of the great tailgaters of all time, a personal friend of mine. I cannot believe that. No, no way I'm going to say that about Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is a mandatory rock star on this team, and I didn't think so at this time last year. I'm the first to admit it last year. I didn't think, you know, Josh McDaniels never saw the guy other than on film. In the times they played, and they didn't, I don't recall Josh McDaniels going up against him. So when you look at, look at what Josh Jacobs did last year, he will make life easier for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, look, I grew up in the era of Emmett Smith, okay? And then you can go to Terrell Davis, and you can go to Marshall Falk. You can go to any running back you want. Just because lately Kansas City is winning Super Bowls without an elite running back doesn't mean a running back isn't vitally important. And I think it's very important to this offense. Because Josh McDaniel's offense is very complex unless you're in the system and you've been in the system a while. Case in point, why Derek Carr is no longer here. you got to be the system quarterback. And in this system, they run the hell out of the ball. And they hit the tight end and they love the slot receiver like Amendola, Welker, the guys they had in New England. And a big wide receiver, other than Randy Moss over the years for Josh McDaniel's, hasn't been a bigger priority than the running back.
So no, I don't agree with Chris. I, the numbers that he's carting off here is recent times. The NFL did not start in 2019. The NFL goes back to leather helmets. Now we're playing a video game version of it. I get it. But a great running back is vitally important to this organization. The Raiders have one. I'm not here to talk money. The Raiders are using the franchise tag as a weapon. They're using it to tag him so they can only pay him X amount so they can go spend more money where it's needed on defense. And in other positions here, and to pay Devontae, and to pay Jacoby Myers and Hunter after all this. So, again, wow. Uh, the first call of the day today, as Josh Jacobs isn't in the building, is Chris in West Oakland saying trade him. He said to not me, trade him. Go get a linebacker for Josh Jacobs. Uh, I do not agree with that. Uh, Gangster Raider is up next as we continue here in the opening monologue. Go ahead. JT? Yes. Yeah, um, I think that um your boy chris from the bay is, uh, is smoking or something because if it wasn't for um the five blown games I mean, the five overtime leads we blew we'd have won 11 games at least you know what i'm saying with josh jacobs so he can't compare the six games he can't blame that on josh jacobs that's not josh jacobs fault that we tripped off five overtime i mean five second half leads you know what i mean so that's that's not a good comparison you know what i mean and also if we get josh jacobs back they're going to have to account for him. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, they got to put at least eight in the box and all that. But I also, also want to say this. You know what I'm saying? I think I disagree with you because I feel that this Denver game is a must win for two reasons. First reason, it's a division game. You know what I'm saying? And if we can come out first um, game of the season and win a division game, that's a, a major plus. And the second reason is because they asked for us. Remember, I heard they requested us first you know what i mean so i think that'll be a major blow to them the team that they mm -hmm. thought they could beat that they've been planning to play and beat all season you know what i'm saying not just like one week to like from we played them you know they get ready to play somebody week four and they playing us week five they had the whole off season to plan and prepare for us and if we come out the first um week of the season in their house and smack them aside the head i think that'd be a, a huge mental block and a, a big um mm -hmm. a big yeah, debacle for them on they on they first um try out. You know what I mean I think that'll be they won't overcome that. I think that'll ruin their season or at least the first half of their season. It take them the whole first half mm -hmm. of their season to get over that. That's why I think it's a must game. And also I disagree with him because Josh Jacobs is not also what he provides on the field. You know, he's a leader in the locker room. I think that's once he gets with this team because the team is already seem like they're gelling and um mm -hmm. being a family once the leader comes back and, and, and solidifies everything, I think it's going to be that much more greater. So, um, And that'll make everything else flow like it's supposed to. And we'll have another mm -hmm. Max. You know what I'm saying? Max won't be by himself. You have a Josh Jacobs on the other side. And from what I'm hearing about Jimmy G, Jimmy G is also a dog too. So we'll have like a trio of dogs getting the team ready. And we need that. So um, I totally disagree with your boy, um, Chris okay, from, I got gotcha. you. From the Bay. You know what I mean? And also, once uh, we get Josh back, that's um, the um, they have no answer for that in Denver. You know what I mean? So I think that will be another blow okay. against them. Because look at um, Josh Jacobs' games. I think he has his best games against Denver. He does. He plays you know well I mean? against them. Gangster, yeah, so, I got to go. I'm running late. I, I went too right. long there in the open, but I appreciate your call. Chris and West Oakland and Gangster Raiders starting us off. Now, look, for Josh Jacobs, I of course, the first game is, is it's a monster game. But I'm not going to sit here and say it's a must win week one. I get arrested. The Twitter police would come and arrest me. It's not a must win. It's an important win. 
And I think the Raiders are going to win that game. I like that game. If the Raiders can't beat Denver and Denver, how are they going to beat Buffalo and Buffalo, Kansas City and Kansas City, Miami and Miami? You know, some tough games on the road here. Denver is a team that the Raiders have beaten six out of the last seven times. The Las Vegas Raiders personally fired the last two coaches, Vic Fangio and Nathaniel Hackert, because they couldn't beat the Raiders. And when you lose to the Raiders in Denver, you get fired. You lose to Kansas City, okay. You lose to the Chargers, no big deal. If you lose to the Raiders, the hated rivalry, it gets you out the door. So, yeah, I do own that comment. The Raiders fired Vic Fangio, and the Raiders fired that other Nathaniel Hackett guy who didn't even know how to look at the clock. I'm doing a better job looking at the clock on play-by-play for the first time than Nathaniel Hackett. He was terrible. Absolutely terrible. 702-365-9200. Keep the momentum going off those two guys as we open up the show. Brought to you by PTs. They fuel the monologue. Look, very important. Your fantasy football draft. PTs. Go to PTs. They have everything set up for your fantasy football draft. Go for happy hour, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Have it there with the food. The beverages, you'll have a place to spread out and build your fantasy football roster at PTs. It was, yeah. Um, first day of pads, my technique was all over the place. I haven't been hitting in, you know, four, five, six months. Um, and he showed it, and I got embarrassed. And uh, I think that was definitely my welcome to the NFL moment. Um, from there, I'm just trying to get better, trying to learn from it. Um, I've gotten extremely better just going against Max in practice every single day. He's bringing it. I'm trying to bring it as much as I can. And uh, I know it's going to help me this season and in the long run. It's Michael Mayer. Uh, they're still talking about what happened on that first day in pads where Max Crosby just absolutely annihilated him. And he handled it well, and he came back, and he was ready to roll. He, he was fine with that, which is okay. You know, he played at Notre Dame. He played some high-level competition, but no Max Crosby's, not Aaron Donald, uh, those type of players. So that was a good test for him. They're still talking about it, and he's getting a laugh out of it, and he's going to be playing in his first couple of games here. Am I concerned about Chandler Jones? Where has he been at practice lately? What is the degree? Is he being nicked up or not? Don't know. Our Raiders are very tight in regards to what's happening with their players and when they're coming back. Josh McDaniel spoke about that uh, yesterday, and he was talking about the guys who are in that bucket who are trying to get ready for that first game, including Tyree Wilson. So the health of the Raiders, as Chris said in the first phone call of the show, uh, do you shut everybody down in Dallas? I would assume you would. I was really excited when we found out when we were in L.A. that the starters were going to play. They're going to play a series or so, and I thought they looked good. Garoppolo went 4-4. Four he came in and did a really nice job. And now we have this Aiden O'Connell story, which is one of the biggest stories in the entire preseason. In the entire preseason of the NFL around the entire league, the Raiders have one of the biggest storylines because of Aiden O'Connell's play and the fact that he's the highest-rated rookie quarterback and one of the best-performing quarterbacks so far in the entire preseason. That is nice. So let's hope that something is built on here in this last game. I'd like to see more Aiden O'Connell. We might need to see more Brian Hoyer, who didn't look good, and he might have to play. And we don't know what's going to happen with that because we want Jimmy Garoppolo to be at 100%, and we want Garoppolo to be at 100% all year. If Aiden O'Connell only plays in mop-up duty, I'd be really excited about that. He played Aiden O'Connell the entire second half versus the Rams. He went 11 for 18 for 163 yards, two touchdowns. 
no interceptions. That was a 127.8 rating. Top 10 in the NFL for Aiden O'Connell. Tied for first in TD passes with three. Tied for first in least interception percentage. Didn't know that stat. It's zero. Tied for first in first down conversions. Two for two on quarterback sneaks. And he's second in passer rating at 125.2. What a start. And he started versus San Francisco. Better than the stats would suggest. 15 of 18, 141 yards and a touchdown. That was 117.8 quarterback rating. But Brian Hoyer saw the first half action versus the Rams, was 12 of 22 for 144 yards. He had a quarterback rating of 55.9. And he underthrew a wide-open Michael Mayer on a seam route, which was intercepted in return by the Rams for a touchdown. He did engineer a second-quarter scoring drive when the Raiders went 24 yards in seven plays, resulting in a 48-yard Carlson field goal. And he didn't play versus San Francisco. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo, Aiden O'Connell, Hoyer, if you have to break and need need someone to come on in there and run the system efficiently. Raiders are pretty strong at the quarterback position. I think everybody understands that. Everybody understands that the Raiders are pretty good in this situation here, and hopefully they remain rock solid. But they don't have to go anywhere other than Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the big story today. Uh, John Lynch on Nick Bosa's holdout. Now he's finally saying on record, I don't like the situation. Okay, Uh, that's news coming out of the Bay Area as Trey Lance was moved to the number three. They're trying to trade him. And John Lynch said today that it is not encouraging. This is something that he doesn't want to see go on any longer. Quote, I don't like the situation. Since our tenure here, we haven't had a holdout anywhere towards this magnitude. Not something I'm comfortable with. We're working really hard to change that. Eager to bring this thing to a close. Well, they're going to have to pay Bosa because he deserves to get paid. And the Seahawks activated Jamal Adams from the pup list. Their super safety who's been banged up a lot. So you're going to start to see people come off the pup list. You're going to see these rosters go from 90 down to 53. And in general, I'm not going to give a scorecard for the Raiders preseason until after the Cowboy game. But going into the game, going into the Cowboy game, they're in a really good situation. They're in a very good situation. And last story today, ESPN finally announces Shannon Sharp's arrival at first take. Uh, They announced that today. Shannon's a friend. I know his agent very well. His agent lives here in Vegas, and he's a great guy. And Shannon Sharp has great representation. So Shannon Sharp is going to join first takes on Mondays and Tuesdays during football season. Sharp's going to debut on September 4th. I was texting with Stephen A. Smith today. He actually texted me. We'll tell you about that next hour. Uh, Again, as I said in the open, everybody's wondering what's going to go on here with Josh Jacobs going forward. And then the Otani injury in baseball is a disaster for Major League Baseball. Shohei Otani with an elbow injury here. Is he no longer a $500 million man? Uh, The cover story now at ESPN, what do you do with the contract going forward and how will this affect free agency? Otani has an injury. It's going to hurt baseball. It's happening with the Angels. A lot of people don't watch the Angels. But this is just awful because he's the biggest draw in all of baseball. The news he suffered a tear in his UCL ligament of his right elbow in game one of a doubleheader Wednesday by batting second for the Angels in game two. He will not pitch again this season. He might need another Tommy John surgery. He already 
a complicated free agency just two months away. Now it's even more confusing. Can you believe this? Shohei Otani was on pace to make six to seven hundred million potentially to take Aaron Judge's contract as a hitter and then double it with what he can do as a pitcher. And now he could have a Tommy John surgery. You cannot pay Otani this money if he's going to be damaged goods as a pitcher. If he could have another injury after having another Tommy John, you can't pay a guy $500, $600 million who's damaged goods as a pitcher. You can pay him to hit $300 million, $400 million, but I don't know what you're going to do with him as a pitcher. That's, a, that's the biggest story in sports today, along with Lionel Messi. Messi with the greatest assist in MLS history, as Messi is moving the needle for Inter-Miami, the way Miami is playing in the MLS. Eddie Pascal is going to join us coming up next, brought to you by Modelo. The fighting spirit of Modelo. I reward myself with a bucket of Modelo's every Friday. One of my best friends I picked up from the airport today. He's staying over my house tonight. We're going to have a cigar and some Modelo's after the show today. Looking forward to that. Matter of fact, I probably should get my bucket of Modelo's and put it on ice. Let him soak in some ice for about an hour and 20 minutes. A lot, um, yeah, like just having like them extra reps and like just doing it like repeatedly, like it makes the game like slow down for you. And yeah, yeah, that's about it. Zeus Zamir White, who I believe is on the cover today of the Las Vegas Review Journal Sports Edition, White is ready to run if opportunity arises. Perfect time to bring in Eddie Pascal, the king of the podcast, digital, everything he does for the silver and black. And Eddie, thrilled to talk to you. You got to be really excited. You're there every day. You're at every practice. You see everything. And so far, so good. The Raiders are relatively healthy as we wait for Josh Jacobs, and they're 2-0 and in the preseason. How do you see it? Yeah, I mean, the vibes are good. Also, quick shout-out to our guy, Bobby, man. That, that rejoin music was fantastic. <laughs> got, me in, got me in the mood, man. I'm vibing yeah. in the office. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, th- things are, are good, right? I think you, you hit the nail on the head, JT, where at this point in the game, as we sit here on August 24th, the Raiders are healthy. That's the biggest thing, right? And I know that we all love to see wins and we love to see highlights from the preseason. And I'm, I'm the biggest proponent of that, too. But as long as the Raiders get out of this thing healthy and they can shift all eyes, all focus to September 10th against the Broncos, that, that to me is the biggest win from the summer. Eddie, we'll just get Josh Jacobs out of the way here. He doesn't have to report. Uh, Nick Bosa hasn't reported. There are other Jonathan Taylor issue is bigger to some than Josh Jacobs, and we're just going to wait until he reports. There's nothing else to add there, but I did mention Zamir White, and you just heard that soundbite. What have you seen with him? If he has to carry a heavier load week one or week two, depending on when Josh comes back, uh, give us a report card of what he's done so far in camp in the preseason. Yeah, I think I think if you're a fan of the Silver and Black JT, you got to feel good, you know, cautiously optimistic about what Zamir's going to be able to do if if he is the guy that ends up with the bulk of those carries, right? And conventional wisdom would suggest that if Josh is not here when the Raiders go to work on the 10th, that that Zamir would be the guy. And so you look at what he did a year ago, which I know is a lifetime in football terms, but a guy who averaged north of four yards a carry, and granted, very very limited opportunity. But what we've seen this year, you know, in my opinion, he's gotten better and better, more comfortable as training camp in the preseason and has gone on. Uh, remains to be seen what he does this Saturday in Dallas against the Cowboys, but I mean, you, everything that we've seen from him, he has given you every indication that if his number gets called, he's going to be ready to rock. 
Eddie Pascal's our guest. You know, Eddie, it's really interesting to me, these position battles, and you dive into it with Jesse Merrick. You do a great job of going position by position. Since you've been with the Raiders, have you seen a roster this good at the level of 90? Because a lot of people have told me, Vinny and others, and I agree with this, talking on the broadcast, this is one of the – going to cut down to 53, and we'll talk how good that roster could be in a week or so. But at 90 – I don't recall th- th- there being this many difficult decisions at important decisions because there's a lot of guys here who think they can still make this team. No, I mean, I'd agree with you. I mean, I think the only two kind of seasons that come to mind is, is that 2016-2017, you know, two-year run for the Silver and Black where there were a lot of good football players that ended up getting cut by the team and ended up and going to play for, for different NFL squads. But, yeah, I mean, I think that that's the ultimate compliment that you can pay to Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels right now is that when this team cuts down their roster by 1 p.m. on Tuesday, a lot of the guys that don't have jobs here in Las Vegas are going to have jobs elsewhere across the league. And, and Jesse and I were talking about this, too, where I think it's hard. It's a hard thing to preach to the fans and you know this as well as I do, JT, that you don't turn over a roster, you don't build depth overnight. I would love if that happened. I know the fan base would sure as heck love if that happened, but that's just not reality in the NFL when you're building out a roster of 90, uh, 90 guys. And so I think it's a big credit to Dave, it's a big credit to Josh on what they've been able to do since they touched down here in Southern Nevada and ultimately built a, a quality football team 1-90. to And there's going to be some tough decisions come Monday night, come Tuesday, and, and I certainly don't envy uh, Dave and his staff for having to make those calls. Yeah, I've been talking to Eddie Pascal as we wrap it up. Eddie, for me, it's defensive tackle with Bilal Mm -hmm. Nichols and Jerry Tillery, John Jenkins. But then you start looking at Byron Young, who's safe because he was just drafted. Matthew Butler, Neil Farrell Jr., Nesta, who I love Nesta from the first interview and time I talked with him. I love everything about him. Uh, Tarlis, the way he's played so far, the edge rushers, but... Defensive tackle is really important to me because we know that Dave Ziggler likes this rotation. And you got to have fresh legs and you got to bring guys in. But are one of these guys really going to pop? As I ask you about the defensive tackle position, give me a name or two that's impressed you the most so far and has an opportunity to have a big impact this year. Yeah, I mean, even going back to last year, you know, I, I've been really impressed by what we saw from Jerry Tillery, granted in, in a, a small sample size for, uh, from a year ago, but I think he's kind of flown under the radar, kind of just gone about his business in training camp, but certainly a guy that has all the pedigree, a guy that has all the physical gifts that, to be a really good defensive tackle here in the NFL. Uh, and I think Bilal, too. I mean, Bilal's been a guy that, you know, we always play the game, Jesse Merrick and I, like, how, how often have you written down his number in your notebook? And we have written down Bilal's number a ton. Bilal's mm-hmm. been incredibly active. I think he had two Two really, really good stretches of joint practices against the Niners and against the uh, the Rams as well. And he's a dude that has just been, you know, we constantly look at the end of the day and you just see his name, you see his number popping. So I think those two guys uh, are guys that are keeping an eye on. But we talked about that rotation too. Some of these young guys are going to have to kind of step up and do their thing over the course of a 17-game regular season as well. Eddie Pascal, what have you seen in Trey Tucker from practice to the joint practices? We saw him make a great layout catch, which was unbelievable. In L.A., we've seen him get behind the secondary. We've seen him on a jet sweep. I'm just trying to figure out how we can use him and have explosive plays with him because there's only one football, and Jacoby's going to need it, Josh is going to need it, Hunter, and I love me some Devontae. I like overfeeding Devontae Adams. What have you seen from Trey Tucker? 
Yeah, I think that the word that comes to mind when you when you look at Trey Tucker is, is that versatility. And you and I both know how much Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels covet that versatility, whether it's on the offensive line, the defensive line, or at the skill positions. You know, Trey Tucker's a guy who can do a lot of things. He can contribute in the special teams game. Uh, he's obviously a, a weapon when he gets the uh, the football in his hands. So I think for him, it's it's kind of that level of consistency, right? And I don't think that you have the expectation that any of these young guys come in and they're a finished product on day one. Uh, but he's a guy that I think that if you're the fan base, you got to be really excited but what you've seen in kind of limited opportunities. And now you got one more chance this Saturday against the Cowboys, uh, and, then, uh, and then we're off to the races against the, uh, against the Broncos about 10 days later. All right, Eddie, give me, uh, as you wrap up here, your, the calendar here for our listeners, what you're going to have here as you're wrapping up some training camp podcasts, the preseason, and then we're going to jump into Denver. So walk us through what the next 10-plus days looks like as the roster gets pared down, and then all our programming, everything on the digital side gets ramped up even more. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a busy uh, stretch for silver and black predictions here in the building, I'll tell you that. So, I mean, you know, we have the game Saturday evening, 5 o'clock against the Dallas Cowboys. Make sure to listen on Raider Nation Radio. But, you know, after that, we have roster reduction day, which is uh, which is Tuesday. Cuts are in by 1 o'clock p.m. West Coast time. And then really for us, it's, it's kind of putting a bow on the on training camp, putting a bow on the preseason. Jesse Merrick and I are going to have a few more episodes, uh, like I said, really kind of putting together our loose ends, looking ahead now to week one and the Broncos. So we'll be back on the, on the pod feeds. And then, like, to your point, JT, you know, it's it's a lot of fun for us, but it really does feel like we kind of take it into an, another gear once we go into regular season mode, and that is going to be here before we know it, uh, and I cannot wait. Thanks, Eddie. Always appreciate you. I'll see you on the plane. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, we'll see you soon. You got it. Eddie Pascal joining us from over at the Raiders. Good to have Eddie on it. Eddie puts out a lot of content. Q, Myers, who comes up next, I believe he's at Circuit today, puts out a lot of content. I do a lot of radio. Uh, and when I get a chance to put out content with the Raiders, it's usually in their platform, and Raiders Roundtable is back. Also, I found out today that the longest tenured Sunday night football show in sports radio history is back. I'm back for Sunday nights on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Pacific time. I've been doing Sunday nights going on 27 years. I like to work Sunday night when I was doing Sunday to Thursday night because I don't want to work Friday night. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to work Friday nights anymore. I'm not going to do it. I got a wife. I like to have my Modellos. I like to go out on Friday night. But Sunday night, I'm back. So my Sunday starts on the Raiders pregame show. It will end at the Raiders stadium or at the Raider facility with the Raiders postgame show. And then I will literally race home to do the Mad Dog show Sunday night, which I'm... Thrilled to do. It's an honor to do that show and to keep it going, man. To keep it going for 27 years. I even did it. We had a little bit of a pause during COVID, but I was still on Sunday night doing something else. So that'll be back. I don't know of a guy who's got a longer Sunday than me, but I don't mind it because it's football season. It's easy to do my job during football season. It really is. It's a great job. It's a great job year-round, but it's much easier and more enjoyable during football season as you got me through the summer again, and we gave you the all-time Raiders team, the all-time team on radio. And how about Art Powell? Art Powell made it to the senior finalists. There are three. Mongo McMichael, who was in hospice and near the end of his life, the legendary Chicago Bear defensive lineman, Randy Gratishaw, and Art Powell, the three finalists, senior finalists. We got a chance, Raider Nation, to get another Raider into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And his sister's probably really excited in the family for this. We'll be talking about this on the broadcast on Sunday on the play-by-play, both on television with Jason Horowitz 
and I'll be talking on the radio with the two. All right, when we come back, we got another hour to go. We want you to jump in. I'm off tomorrow to head with the Raiders to Dallas, Texas. I believe Eddie's in for me. Excuse me, uh, Harry's in. Harry's in for me tomorrow. The great Harry Ruiz. So this is my last hour of the week, and as I like to say, sound off like you got a pair. If you want to talk about Josh Jacobs when he's coming back, please do. Or maybe another roster cut down. If you think someone's on the bubble, we'll do that next hour. Brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town.